Welcome to this week's episode of Time Anadon. It has been another eventful seven days in the world of, uh, of of Nottingham Forest. Tom, first of all, we're just talking about your impending trip to Wolves. How are you? Excited <laughs> yeah. for a trip to Wolverhampton? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's where all the celebrities are at. I mean, uh, yeah, no, it'd be good. I mean, uh, I've not, you know, been able to get myself to an away trip for different different uh, reasons for for a little bit. So. Yeah, no, get get myself down there. Hopefully a, a winnable game. We'll see what happens. Weird place, Molyneux. Really weird, weird ground. Presumably the away end that we've got this time around is along, running alongside the pitch. It is, uh, it's, you, you generate a decent atmosphere. We've had a good couple of days. I, I've been to Molyneux twice and never seen Forest win there. Always Aggie. The last time I went to Molyneux, Forest lost 5-0, from memory. Uh, so hopefully a much better day for you on uh, on Saturday, Tom. But um, yeah, big game. We'll come on to that later on in the pod because obviously it's um, set up nicely now. Forest have obviously stopped the rot, if you will. Um, I think the first thing to touch on, we spent a lot of time last week talking about what the impact might be of the results uh, against Villa on Steve Cooper's future, whether or not actually... Ahead of kickoff against Villa, Steve Cooper would still be head coach of Forest. Um, took a bit of a, a, a turn, didn't it, on Friday, where out of the blue we got the announcement that Steve Cooper's contract has been extended for a further two years. Um, no one saw that coming, did they? It was the news that I think when we saw breaking news, Steve Cooper, I think we all feared the worst on Friday. But I mean, great news, great a great boost going into the, the weekend of the game against Villa. Yeah, it was. It was, and I think obviously it, it a lot of a lot of anguish had built around, and um, you know we were speaking about it last week, and there was a lot of frustration about the circumstances, and albeit with you know some you know good good healthy debate in terms of where we're at in terms of the results of the season as well, but obviously there was there was a lot of anger around. I mean, the U turn was was. Very unexpected. Um, it was, you know, just came suddenly. Um, it's an easier U-turn or a quick U-turn that I've seen in some of the Suez canals as well that we've, uh, that we've had over the last years. Um, but yeah, it, it, it meant that going into the, the next game, it, it, it kind of just it built up a bit of excitement, I think, which was, which was needed because I think... Um, we all knew that the start of the season was going to be difficult. Um, the problem is, is that you, you never know how difficult until you're really in it and how, until you, you actually feel it. And I was speaking to someone the other day and, and it, I actually saw, saw this on Twitter, to be fair, but, you know, the, the difference with having a difficult start of a season, this season to any other season that we've had over the last 23 years is is there's more eyes on us and, and more people talking about it. So... It, it feels worse, and everyone wants to talk about how how poor we've been in certain games. So it's nice to have something good to, to talk about going into the next one. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, that is it is. We talk about it a lot. Obviously, we, we, we've got this podcast, so we, it, you know, we spend a lot of time probably overanalyzing at times part of the the, the, the club and maybe the transfer business, the way we operate, the way we're obviously operating on the pitch. But yeah, you are right. Obviously, there is a heightened scrutiny on Forest this year around, obviously, results first and foremost over the last few weeks. But obviously, you know, the transfer business and, and, and that is now 
you know, the narrative around forest transfer business has changed somewhat since um, since the middle of the summer, which we, we touched on last week. But that has something that that is something that obviously has taken a bit of getting used to. But ultimately, that that's what being a Premier League football club is is about. Obviously, you are under the spotlight. Obviously, everything is 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 over analysed, and 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 forests have definitely been a, a real big talking point in. Um, in the football world over the coming weeks. I think the turnaround on Steve Cooper's contract, I mean, I think it was a turnaround. I don't think we can get away from that. There were from quite, you know, serious reports of, of other people being considered for the role. And, and, and for whatever reason, the, the board and the club have decided that they're going to stick by Steve Cooper, which, you know, I, I think listen to, if anyone listened to the pod last week will understand that both of us and, and, and me certainly in, in kind of, Fierce agreement that Steve Cooper should be given the role, you know, should be kept in role for a long term in terms of being able to build on what he achieved last year. But it was a turnaround. It was unexpected. It 100% was led by, and, and, and I'll defy anyone who, who, who says otherwise, but it was definitely a, a fan, a bit of fan power in there, wasn't there, in terms of the noise being made. Someone said to me they were surprised after being beaten five in a row in the Premier League and obviously some of those results were not pleasant in terms of the sheer volume of goals to losing 4-0 away at Leicester obviously not ideal by any stretch of the imagination they were surprised how much the Forest fans were still very much behind Steve Cooper and not just behind him but vocally supportive of him obviously at Leicester and then you know so taking social media as a barometer it was certainly that was the overriding feeling and obviously there was the Forza guys and various fans talking about displays for Steve Cooper at the match, even ahead of his signing his new contract uh, at the Villa game. It was it was a real positive, wasn't it? In terms of, and it, it's a smart move, therefore, by the club going into such a, what was a big, you know, a huge game, if you will, on Monday night. It was a really smart move by the club to sort Steve Cooper's contract out and really get everyone. You know, the, the statement that followed said that um, they now wanted stability at the club and to focus on the football. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute because stability hasn't really followed since that um, statement on Friday. But certainly in the manager's office and the players on the pitch, that stability was really important. And actually, I, I think it gave them the foundation to, 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 to the performance on Monday night. Yeah, I mean... I mean, smart move, I think, is is the, the key phrase for it because you know me, I'm, I'm a bit of a cynic. Well, I was um, going to bring it up, Tom, your first reaction on Friday when I text you. I was quite excited. I think your response back was, hmm, you were a bit suspicious in the whole thing. And I still am very suspicious about the whole thing. And obviously, we're going to talk about what's happened later Um you know, after after we speak about Steve Cooper specifically, I think smart move is, is the right thing. I think the one thing Forrest stuff, well, I say they're good at, I think last week was a PR disaster by them, but I think they've, they've tried to pick that up and I think they've done what they can. I think they understand that in order for, for any success, they need the fans behind them and doing what they would have done would have been a, a recipe for disaster. I also am a firm believer that would it have been easier to to have sacked Steve Cooper and not offer him a new contract and pay him out 100%? But I also feel like, as a regime, the backing is, is very important to them and maybe they'd be quite happy to offer Steve Cooper a new contract and sack him 
um, still, you know, within within a couple of months' time or, or whatever it is. But I think what they have at least done, which is what I will praise them for, is they have given a, another opportunity and a firm opportunity. It's not like they've gone, we back him, and then the following, you know, after he loses a game, we sack him. Like we've seen many managers in the past. Once you get that back in, you, you're pretty much done for. You might as well just press the button then. Um, but they have firmly given him a contract. Um, so it, it does feel a bit of a firmer, firmer backing as such. But let's all let's all calm down a little bit because the truth of the matter is the new contract doesn't mean he's going to be here until 2025. And it doesn't even mean that he'll be here until the end of the season. It just means, to be fair to Steve Cooper, he gets a little bit of a payout. And, and as far as we know, maybe there's clauses in there or, or ins and outs that we do not know about at this moment in time. We know that there's been a new contract signed until 2025 or as far as has been communicated, that is the case. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that there may be possible uh, clauses that benefit both Forrest and our actually think will probably benefit Steve Cooper in some shape or form if he decided he wanted to go at some point. So, um, I, you know, I'm happy that there has been that message put out and it's very different and, and slightly refreshing to, to other clubs, you know, like a Watford maybe. Um, but I don't firmly believe all is well just because of a new contract. Um, and we'll see what happens from now on. But, you know, yeah, it's it's not just like a contract changes the whole thing. If you sound people out and you're putting out the negative PR that they have over the last couple of weeks, for Steve Cooper at first and now on for other people, which we are going to talk about, then then for me, it means that there is still things happening in the background that, that would not point in the same direction as this new contract. No, and Steve Cooper's not foolish enough to, to to take that lightly. He said himself in the interview, obviously on Friday, in his press conference actually, when asked about the new contract, he knew and he appreciated that he was still under pressure. A new contract doesn't solve all issues, but it does go some way to be able to lift the pressure in the short term, right? There is no chance of Steve Cooper, even with a defeat against Villa, that wouldn't have been left Steve Cooper searching for a new job. There is obviously short a short term release of pressure, which was which was what what was needed after after five games, five defeats. You know that pressure starts to ramp up. It was mentioned numerous times, and you have to agree that Steve Cooper did look like a bit of a broken man after the Leicester game, and, and I think probably maybe even he feared the worst. And obviously the stories, therefore, yes, he said he didn't read the the, the newspapers and keep keep uh, keep abreast of what goes on in the media but he must have been feeling that pressure and as I say for everyone it, it sends a message out to the players as you say it sends a message out to the players that the club are backing the manager that we do believe in his methods and obviously the great job that he's done at the club so far and now it's about getting on with the job in hand and I suppose letting the noise around the signings die down and really focus on getting as many points as they physically can before the World Cup break and and going into that. But yes, look, Steve Cooper won't be foolish enough. They've, they've obviously sounded people out. There's obviously talk, there was talk about Benitez, Sean Dyche. There's even a story this morning t- that talks about Forrest talking to um, Xavi Alonso before he, he opted to join the Bundes, uh, Bundesliga. So, But it was definitely on the agenda for Forrest. He, 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 you know, and obviously, whatever's changed their, their tax and changed their mind, then, then so be it. But I'm personally pleased that the situation has been uh, wrapped up now. As I say, we can focus on on football. Uh, well, on the pitch, we can focus on the football. 
as I say, it's going to be really important that, that Forest do so and that they show the signs of progression and keep moving towards that, that, that World Cup break and, as I say, picking up as many points as they can. We can't get away, though, Tom, can we, in terms of what happened on Friday, in terms of the contract and the statements that followed afterwards. There's an interesting line in the, the statement that the club released after announcing Steve Cooper's contract extension. I'll just read a snippet from this because I think this obviously maybe raised a few eyebrows when um, some news stories broke last night. But in the following statement, they talked about, as a group, we are now concentrated and we'll do everything we can to help the team move up the league table and once again demonstrate our qualities that led us to the Premier League. Now, I thought that was an exceptional uh, bit of PR at the time, as you say. Obviously, it was all around announcing the contract. And, you know, really, I suppose, lifting the club up off its knees because there was a lot of infighting last week, a lot of speculation, lots of negativity. And, and obviously, they handled that 48 hours well. I actually took that on face value. And I actually thought, brilliant, you know, togetherness, the club uniting, both at board level, coach level, manager level, fans, everyone for the previous 12 months have been really together. And that has been the foundations of, our success, I believe, over the last 12 months. And there was definitely a change of culture from the moment Steve Cooper came into the club. And actually from Dane Murphy, you know, bringing in his own recruitment team to then the, you know, the managerial change, Steve Cooper coming in. That season was a concerted team effort. It was a joint effort from everyone involved from the moment Steve Cooper walked through the door that the fortunes changed. And actually, I took that on face value and thought, brilliant, we can now put everything to bed. There's obviously a lot of stories around the backroom staff and Dane Murphy recruitment, recruitment staff leaving. And actually, no, we're going to settle down. There's going to be an internal review in terms of what's happening in the transfer window. And then they'll go from there. It transpires that obviously our head of recruitment, Sirianos, and obviously head of our head scout, Andy Scott, have been relieved of their duties. And there is a remarkable article in the Athletic on Monday, talking about some of the infighting, the politics behind the scenes, and Daniel Taylor again alluded to it last night on Twitter in terms of the the, the issues surrounding poor Dane Murphy and the hierarchy is um, unheard of, and, and nothing like he's seen in his in his time working in football. Um, we would expect, therefore, that, that Dane Murphy, whilst obviously the story last week was that Dane Murphy wouldn't be leaving the club, I think the expectation is that sometime. In the short term, Dane Murphy will also leave. Um, that is not a painting the picture of togetherness, is it? And whilst obviously we are delighted that, that Steve Cooper has stayed, there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever that certainly Dane Murphy is a Steve Cooper ally, but Andy Scott particularly, who is a, a, you know, part of Steve Cooper's team, if you like, at Swansea, um, that is a key ally for him. And and there does seem to be, as always, a destabilisation and a bit of infighting and a fair bit of politics behind the scenes at Forest that we've just become too used to in recent years. And and yes, as I say, short term, brilliant, but long term, there still has to be uh, you know, a worry about the direction that Forest are now going to go in in terms of the new sporting director, previous, uh, previous role at Watford. You joke there about not following the Watford model, but you have to fear that, that, that that's what's around the corner, certainly from a transfer business point of view. Yeah, I, I worry about the, the Andy Scott one in, in terms of, you know, was Steve Cooper aware that was going to happen um, before before he signs this new contract? Um, 
you know, how does he feel about it? You know, because because he is someone that that was brought in from his time at at, at Swansea, um, and and someone he knows quite well. So it's someone he probably would have trusted. And I think at a club in the way that Forrester ran, in more in terms of some of the attitudes they have. And when everyone talks about, oh, I can't believe you're criticising how Forrester ran. Every club has this, that, and the other. It's not necessarily the people they've, they've got in terms of the roles that they've got or the structure. It's more the attitudes of the people that they've got who run the club. Uh, it can be quite aggressive. That's that's the truth of it. In, in their approach, people say that's the way that you win. I think you can win by not being aggressive, to be quite honest. I think you can see that in plenty of other clubs um, that are less erratic as well. Um, but, you know, I, I wonder wonder how that one's gone down. And, you know, to come off of that, I don't understand how you can... We're bottom of the league at the moment, so I get how you can judge in, in that respect. But we're bottom of the league for a new squad of 23 players. Now, if you took a, the main cru- crux of, of the signings from those people and you put them into the squad of last year, let's say we did keep keep the main base of the squad last year and you added the main crux of their players, then would the squad have been better for it? I think you'd have to say yes. Um, and they would have had more of a chance to bed in and gel into the Forest way of doing things and the Steve Cooper way of doing things um, because they would have had a base to be able to, to kind of come into. They didn't have that base. I also think that some of the players weren't really probably their findings or smart scouting signings. There were players that maybe were put forward. Now, I get the response back to that going, well, I'm sure they would have had an opportunity opportunity to say no. I'm sure they did. But I'm also of the understanding that when you're in a workplace and you feel that you're working with people who are slightly aggressive and will not like your answer on certain things, even though that's what you believe is right, and you say what you want them to say, that's the truth of it. That's life. So I personally feel like that that, that the aggressive nature in, in some respects of, of what happens at the top of the club probably hasn't helped in, in terms of some of the recruitment this summer. People say, well, maybe we need stronger personalities in the recruitment team. Quite possibly, but I think sometimes also it needs to come down to the strong personalities at the top need to be a little bit more empathetic and, and understanding of the circumstances. And then on to that, C... Um, is is Maranakis Jr. Throughout the whole summer, I'm sure he was closing deals and and he did get the business done and, and fair play to him. But he was taking great, great uh, praise for, for closing those deals. So he has to be a, a critic of himself. He has to be a critic of, of, of himself and, and, and what he has around him and the people around him if, if he feels like that is wrong. Um, and what has been done is wrong. He has to take a great deal of responsibility. You don't close deals in my eyes that you don't necessarily. I know people go, well, you want you want to give the responsibility to the group team, and I, I, I do think that. But he has to take a certain bit of responsibility, especially when you're going around leaking stories to Fabrizio Romano all summer, which he did. I'm, I'm pretty pretty certain of that. So so you have to take take that responsibility as well. So there's a little bit of work that has to be done at the top after thinking it was quite that we got somewhere and it was you know we were in quite a good place. It, it's being ripped up and it, I think the shame is is that the the structure that was put in place uh, initially was seen as a long term structure and it's a long term structure that even if we went down, those same people would know the kind of players because they've recruited all the players before. 
you know, they would know the kind of place to then recruit if we went down to then come back up and to maybe um, solidify ourselves a little bit more, or even if it is staying up this season to, to know how to, to, to go on from there. So you now feel like you, you're ripping that up slightly because regardless of whether you get a similar person, they will have different ideas. And it's also whether those different people have the similar ideas to Steve Cooper, which I'm sure he is grown up enough to to deal with people having different opinions. But let's face it, when you're a football club and you're, you're the coach and you'll want certain players, it would be nice to have someone who, who has similar ideas and can, and can find a gem for you within that mould. Mm. So... Yeah, it's a difficult one, and it's a shame, really. It's a shame they, they did a good job with the PR under over Steve Cooper, but unfortunately, it's um, it's not looking rosy at the top. No, and it's a shame, isn't it? Because um, you'd say PR Gold Star Friday. Obviously, the game itself Monday was good, and we'll come on to that in a minute. And then obviously, shoot themselves in the foot Tuesday. It's uh, it's it's never dull. I think let's move on from that. Let's see. How obviously, we, we, there'll be plenty to talk about. I'm sure in the coming weeks, and obviously that story will develop and changes will develop, and and, and more will be said, and more will come out of the woodwork. I suppose if Forest start to pick up results on the pitch, then all the noise goes. But I suppose look, my point still stands just to end on this from last week was that what what really gets me and what really bugs me is the fact that we've only played nine games and seemingly the hierarchy of which, as you've said, Tom, were majorly involved in a lot of the decisions have decided after those nine games that it was a failure. And I don't understand after nine games how you can make that sort of sweeping statement and uh, and rip it all up and start again after obviously what has been a, a hugely successful 12 months. But as I say, look, there'll be more on that. I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the coming weeks. Um, let's focus on the pitch because, as we said, Monday night was a was a big, big game, obviously at home to Villa, big opportunity off the back of obviously those five defeats. You felt like this one was a was a, a, a perfect opportunity, if you like, for Forrest to, to end the 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 run. The atmosphere, as we've said, was 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 always likely to be big. Monday night football under the lights at the at Pack City ground. Obviously Villa bringing a strong contingent. Lots of, of, of support for Steve Cooper. He certainly didn't disappoint. Great, great uh, display as always, supporting the team, supporting the manager. Um, it, it, it was it was a huge and it was built up to be a big game, Tom, wasn't it? And um, coming into it, you say pressure on both teams. Villa were Villa were uneasy coming into this, and as I say, there is a lot of pressure even off the back of it uh, for Steve and Gerrard. But I mean. There was an opportunity. It was one that you were. I mean, every home game for Forest against sides outside of the top six, you have to say, is an opportunity. Obviously, previously the previous encounters, Bournemouth and Fulham have obviously left us wanting, but this was one that you looked at ahead of it and thought this was a probably a perfect opposition for Forest from on Monday. Yeah, I think because of the narrative around it. Again, you know, we we had the narrative before with the Leicester game where both managers were under pressure. Um, and so you went into the Leicester game thinking there's an opportunity to 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 kind of make make their troubles worse. I think with with the Aston Villa game being at home after the positive PR that, that we'd had beforehand, um it was a perfect opportunity and, and we knew Stephen Gerrard was was under pressure going into it. We knew Aston Villa um albeit, you know, haven't been awful. Um the the feeling around Aston Villa and, and their performances 
have not been good, um, especially from an attacking perspective. Um, and we knew both teams are going into it probably not in the best place. So it was an opportunity for us to kind of lift themselves a bit more. And after the week that they'd had to, to kind of top that off a little bit. Um, and yeah, yeah, I think, as you say, with regards to, to the display, shame that Sky Sports um, yeah. didn't show it um, multiple times. First one uh, for, for whatever uh, reasons behind it. Um, I don't think there's any reason for this one that, that, that it couldn't have been shown on TV. I'd, I'd heard the potential reasons for the first one, but but this one I'd, I didn't really understand whatsoever. So, um, shame because it, it would have been good to have shown that back in our, on, a, on a national level. Uh, obviously, it only really matters in, for us in terms of that we, we've got that backing, but it certainly would have been nice to have had a to, to have lengthened out that that good feeling and, and PR and, and send that message out wide, but unfortunately not the case. But but a brilliant display and and one going into the game that you did just feel like there was a there was a, that fan back in there and um, and yeah that, that that could have an effect on the game. Were you we talked at length didn't we about the the potential changes that Steve Cooper might introduce after that Leicester defeat. Um, we talked. Well, I talked to length about potentially four or five changes, changes at fullback. I hate to say it, Tom, but uh, maybe Steve Cooper was listening. Um, were you surprised with the? I think you probably were given the feedback to my starting eleven last week. But were you surprised in terms of the? I suppose the volume of changes that he made, but also the personnel that he went with. I think for me, um, I wasn't necessarily surprised, um, but I just think for me. My argument still stands that when you're gelling 23 new players, albeit you have a load of players to to pick from, or a load of new players to pick from, I should say, the, the Forest squad is still the, the standard uh, standard 25 officially that, that is able to play. Um, you know, I was I was still disappointed so many were made because I think when you're trying to gel a load of players, you've got to kind of at least at some point, and I, I get it, he, he's still trying to find it. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, that, that he has found, at least by now, at the start of October, the the kind of main 11 that he can kind of work off and then maybe make the odds change to affect games and, or someone gets into a bit of, of form. Because I think you need that. You need to find a solid base. And I, I think that especially for your, for your defence and your, your midfield, um, regardless of, of the formation you're playing, you need to find that that solidity. Um, obviously, you change both fullbacks. Um, I got I got dropping dropping the fullbacks. If I'm honest, both Nico Williams and, and Lodi, um, just because of, of solidity. Um, but it, you know, there, there were some changes in in midfield and and kind of the approach. And yeah, I, I got why the changes were made, but. It's just it did feel like an awful lot at the time. There were certain players that I thought started in that eleven that that if Forest are going to get out of that bottom three, that they, they certainly shouldn't be starting games. And, and the, the two that come to mind for me are, are Steve Cook and, and Coyote, regardless of what people's opinions on on their performances in that game might have been. I still think that Forest have better. Um, but yeah. But Steve Cooper, I mean, look, he was very open and honest after the game, didn't he? He said, um, you know, going into it, it was about being solid. It was about 
being hard to beat, being a little bit more tight and compact. All the criticism that Boris got for the previous game was around the fact that there was open spaces and they weren't closing down and they made it easy for Leicester. This was very different and then it was picked up on numerous times, wasn't it, in terms of how compact Forest were, in terms of how deep the midfield was and were, were basically making it hard for, for Villa to get in the gaps and in between the lines. That, that was very much the, the tactic. They were set up defensively solid, you know, and, and looking to, to hit on the counter as Forrest did last year. But it was about, first and foremost, being hard to beat. And as Steve Cooper said, he, he doesn't want to play that way. Long term, he doesn't see Forrest playing in that way. And he doesn't really want to play in that way because he believes, as we saw last season, and even at the start of this season, when, you know, at home to, to West Ham and to Spurs, you could see the way that Forrest wanted to, to play certainly at home have a lot more of the ball and 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 be more offensively minded but i suppose the brief into this one was being hard to be getting something from the game and obviously stopping the run and ultimately that's what forest did right forest got a point and 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 whether that was a good or bad result we can come on to in a minute but forest got a a, a, a draw and it was a it was a point that obviously stop the rot and gives them something to build on. And, and I suppose to your point, one of the big things for me, I suppose, in their performances that that even though Forest were solid to be and, and obviously going forward, they, they probably didn't offer as much as we would like. It now gives them that base. So there is a start in the 11 now that when you go to Wolves on Saturday, he will have difficult decisions to make in terms of whether he goes unchanged or, or whether, he, whether he tweaks it slightly. And the obvious ones that come to mind would be Mangala coming in and, and, and maybe Awani and, and do you tweak it in that sense? So he's got options, but first and foremost, he's now got, after a good, solid performance, he's got a base to work from. And I think that was one of the pleasing aspects of me for, for Monday night and the fact that they were they looked compact and they looked hard to beat, which if we'd perhaps approached, and it's easy to say in hindsight, right? Football's a great game in hindsight. But if they perhaps approached the second half against Bournemouth and Fulham in similar ways, then who knows? But they've proved that they could be hard to beat and that they're up to it. And it's given them a platform. I have to say, Villa were awful. And we have to caveat that, don't we? We said it to each other after the game on Monday. Villa were dreadful. I don't think there'll be many teams that come to the city ground who are as toothless as, as Villa were. And it wasn't a great spectacle for the neutral. But Forrest can only do what they need to do. And I think, as I say, they were disappointed that having got they got in front, that they couldn't obviously hold on to it. But a point's a point, and it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction. I think I am torn somewhere between being happy that, you know, you've stopped a, a losing run. Um, you've, you've got another point on the board, which was finding very hard to come by. In a, in a run of games which was seen as vital. Let, let's be quite honest, you know, the last four games, there's been 12 points on offer and Forrest have got one. So, you know, it was a, it was a vital run um, that hasn't gone well, that hasn't gone to plan, that's that's for sure. So they have shown that they, they, they are a bit more solid, as, as you say. Um, but, you know, as, as you also say, I don't think that Forrest will play worst team at the city ground this season and that's not in terms of the personnel that they've got it's, it's to do with the circumstances of the game coming into it I think it could be quite easy to go oh but Villa have uh, Ollie Watkins or they've got Danny Danny Ings and, and Buendia and uh, Coutinho and all of that but let's face it going into the game they were they were really struggling 
um, and and they looked very very poor on the day. Whereas Fulham going into the city ground, I'm not happy with that result either, obviously. But but at least we're in a bit of form. Bournemouth, unfortunately, albeit very out of form going into the Forest game, I I do often think the old sacking the manager caretaker situation can can go against you. You know you have to manage that circumstance far better than Forest did, and it should have never happened. But but the Villa, the, this Villa game for me was probably the easiest game that they'll have for the whole season at home, and it's an awful shame for me that they couldn't they couldn't um, do more within the game. And you know you said there, but they they got the job done. But I don't think they did get the job done because getting the job done would have been getting three points in a game that they should be if they want well, to stop up get three yeah. points. They got the job done in the sense that they stopped the rot. I agree. I agree. I, there was part of me. I, I agree with the mixed emotions piece that um, come full time, I was happy that we'd not lost first and foremost. But there is a huge sense that you can't help but look at the league table, albeit we're nine games in, but it's a shorter season in the Premier League. So you look at the league table and you look, you know, Forest are not, Forest is still in the mix, but, you know, add another two points on from the night and get the, if you get the three points, it brings you right back into the mix. And obviously, Forest have got to win their own game. Away wins when you're at the bottom end of the Premier League are hard to come by. So Forest do need to, you know, ultimately points. I think you said this to me: points at home to the likes of Villa aren't going to keep you in the league. And, and Forest need to win games at home. But I think in the context of where Forest has been in the previous weeks, I still think it is a good point. And I suppose it very much then depends on how Forest go at Wolves, whether it's a good point or not, right? Well, I think that the frustration for me is that. The, and I get people saying, and people probably listen to me going, what a miserable sod. And they're not lying. I am. Um, but, but you know, I saw a lot of, oh, something to build on, fantastic. And I'm like, well, well, well some, so, something to build on. Uh, for me, I, I get the circumstances, something to build on should have gone, you know, I, I would have been happy with that a few games ago, maybe. Um, but unfortunately, we, we are in a situation now where we need points. Forest have got themselves in, in, in the same situation, and points are important. And albeit they got one, they needed three. And uh, I keep on seeing people go, but you know, if we'd you know kept our lead against Bournemouth, if we kept our lead against Fulham, um, and we kept our lead against Everton, we'd be eighth or something. And I'm thinking, well, that's fantastic, but we didn't. <laughs> you know, that, that's the, that's the that's the circumstance. They didn't. So we are where we are, um, and we're, we're not eighth, and we haven't got 13, 12, 11 points, whatever it is yet. Um, and so points are so, so very important. I think the thing that, that, that maybe makes me slightly more uh, miserable than others uh, to do with the point, and again, I am happy that Forrest didn't lose, but for me, it's the fact that Apart from Wolves, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but I do see as another opportunity in this, which will be the fifth game in a, in a run of games where I think Forest needed to pick up more points. Hopefully they will pick up maximum points. I'm not, I can't see in the future, so I don't know that one yet. But after that, it then you know, you've got three difficult games, Brighton away um, and, and Liverpool at home and, and Arsenal away. So it doesn't get easier for Forest after the Wolves game and pick up one point currently out of 12, and we'll see what they get out of 15. You know, I just I just don't want them to fall behind, and, and I just feel like getting three points would have been so, so important, especially after the week that they've had and the PR they had. They can then go to Wolves away, full of confidence. Um, 
So it just feels it feels like an awful missed opportunity. Um, but you know, like everyone has said, it's it's a point point on the board. They, they didn't lose, um, and they didn't concede three or more. So let's all be <laughs> pulling the party poppies. Give, give me something, Tom. You're giving us something there in terms of uh, Forest didn't concede three or more, which is definitely a bonus. Having <laughs> um, shipped obviously 16 goals in the in the previous four. I mean, what is, I mean, any standout performance for you in terms of what did you come away with in terms of, you know, you talked about Koyate and Cook potentially, but in terms of, of, of I suppose, better performances from, from, from players, there were some positives out there, weren't there, in terms of um, Dennis making his debut, scoring a, a, a good goal. Defence left, obviously, a lot to be desired there from a Villa point of view, but it was a, a lovely header. And I actually thought he played really well, Probably first half, second half, obviously, uh, I suppose, drifted out of the game. But, but I mean, Forrest as a forward threat really did. I thought um, Freud started to show his class. And, and, and I thought Yates, he had one of his, his better games, probably his best Premier League games to date. And I thought to- Toffolo was really impressed with both Toffolo and Honore, obviously, looked a lot more solid at the back. But I thought Toffolo actually started well and was, was probably unlucky. Understandably, uh, t- he's probably understandably why he lost his place, but obviously I thought he was unlucky and, and performed really well. So there were there were bright sparks on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the one thing I forgot to say with that rant I've just went on is that, you know, I am happy. The one thing I am happy that, you know, with with the team that, that you set up and, and the approach to the game, the one thing I am very happy about and a bit more optimistic about actually is he has shown as a young manager, let's remember, some people might forget that for obvious reasons, um, but he's a young manager and he's shown that that he's not stubborn in, in the way that, that he has to approach game, which is something I was actually very concerned about at this start of the season, that he would just stick by this old, this is how we want to play, this is our identity, this is us. He, he has gone, do you know what? we have to do something about this. And, and he did, you know, he, regardless of what I think about the team and, Trust me, at one point I got so bored with the game, I was searching how expensive his gilet was, which £495, by the way, is he's got right. <laughs> yeah. um, that is true, but, you were doing that because you did, yeah, uh, you did text yeah. me that. But, um, you know, he has shown for me that he's he's proven that he can adapt and he can change and he can adapt with the circumstance and the situation. And I think that's going to be vital to Forrest, whether it be this season or however long Steve Cooper is Forrest manager, that is going to be so, so, so important because I think we can do, he's still got it there. It's not gone. That identity is still there. It's just been shelved maybe for, for, for a little bit. Um, but he's now, you know, trying to get a bit of solidity and then maybe tr- triple that back in, back into the team once he's got a bit more confidence, once he's happy with the team. I think that's exactly the right thing to do. Um, it's a shame, I think, that that, that wasn't, you know, that hasn't come sooner, but but that's easy to say when I'm sat here on a sofa doing a podcast. Like I think I think that that is one thing I will say made me the most positive was was that approach and that change. In terms of the individual's performances and within the team, um I thought Dennis had a very good first half. Um I thought he looked a threat, he looked really up for it. Um I don't know what happened in the second half. Um but if he can play well for, for the full 90 and I'll say this vice versa for Morgan Gibbs-White where I thought he had a dreadful first half but I thought he was a brilliant player in the second half you know if they can play well together at the same time um, for a full 90 minutes 
I think that that's a brilliant, brilliant little bit of optimism there in terms of the individuals within the team as well. And I think you're you're spot on. Harry Toffolo for me was probably my man of the match. Actually, I, I was was very happy with with his performance personally. Sergio Aurier, uh, I think, brought a bit of solidity to right back. You know, Nico, he, Sky showed a load of stats trying to argue why he was dropped. They couldn't understand it. He was first for this, that and the other. I think, you know, Sky very good at showing stats, but not telling the full picture. I can show stats for my argument. For every argument I make, I can pull out a load of stats. But if you throw a few opposite stats at me, I might be a little bit speechless. Um, and there's stats for Nico that show why he maybe deserves to be dropped this game in terms of you know, tracking back, not getting back, giving the ball away, some poor deliveries over the last few games that have meant that teams have, have hit hit Forrest on the break and he's not been able to keep up. Um, so Aurier offered that solidity. He had to be subbed when he did because he's a, he's a liability. Well, I said that when, when we signed him. And I still think it is, he is a liability and I worry about playing him for it or him lasting 90 minutes for any match, to be quite honest. But um, he, he did show some solidity, which Forrest need right now. And I, I do think Nico Williams will come back in, but I think he'll come back in, you know, when, when the time is right. Um, so, you know, I would say they were the main main of the, the better performances. And, and you know, actually, I'm forgetting one key individual. I thought Ryan Yates was, was very good. Yeah, brilliant. I, I thought himself, you know, he put himself about. I think there was a game he played recently where there was huge critics about whether he can make the step up. I thought this was, again, you know, the opposition wasn't great. Um, but you can only play against what you, you come up against in, in that case. And Ryan Yates, uh, you know, did everything he, he was asked to do. He put himself about. He was a nuisance. He was one player that, that other people who watch the game have come to me and said that that he was he was a good player, and I think he's exactly the kind of player in times like this which you do need someone who's going to fight fight for the cause. And um, I think you know he, he he didn't do himself any harm for for being picked in in upcoming games. That's for sure. Spot on. I can't agree. I can't uh, disagree with most of that that you said there. It's uh, it's annoying that we agree. But like you said, big big chance at Wolves then. Um, I suppose, as I said, that will determine whether this was a good point or not, won't it? If Forrest can go to Wolves and pick up a first away win of the season, then that really changes the the, the, the dynamic and the narrative, as you say. Big, difficult three games coming up after that in terms of um, Brighton, Liverpool, Arsenal. So this is the last of the big chances, I suppose. Not not that we'll completely write off those games. I listened to another pod last night where they were, they were joking about Liverpool. Liverpool in all sorts of, uh, of troubles themselves. But obviously would still be heavily favourites against Forest, But stranger things have happened. But you look at this one and think this is an opportunity. Wolves, obviously, currently managerless still, head coachless, whichever way you want to go with it. Um, off the back of a really disappointing result at the weekend away at Chelsea, albeit it was Chelsea, but a, a, a massively changed and rotated Chelsea side. I suppose Forest's confidence will will build, won't it, post-Monday post night? And they will go there. Knowing now we are, they have a, a, a basis of a team to, to build upon, and and they will be confident. And, and there's only there's one man in particular that will be keen to put on a good show. Will be the first name on the team sheet, and that'll be Morgan Gibbs White. Um, this is a huge opportunity, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I think um, in the current circumstances around Wolves, um, you have to see this as an opportunity. I, you know. In, in previous seasons, Wolves has obviously been been very good. And I still think they've got some very talented individuals. Um, but the truth of the matter is they are 
struggling at this moment in time. Um, and like you say, they are managerless and, and they've just been turned down and therefore may likely still be managerless by the time we turn up on Saturday. So there is an opportunity, and I think an opportunity to build on on this solidity from, from the point at home against Villa. Um, I do think there's an opportunity here to... The Forest are going to have to be careful because I think Wolves do have some some good attacking players. I almost do feel like Forest at home against Villa did set up how I would expect them to set up away from home against any team in the Premier League. It doesn't matter if you're playing, uh, you know, the, the top teams or not. I think you do have to have solidity away from home more so than than you do in the Championship. And Forest did set up almost like the away team against Villa at home, and I, I expect them to set up similar. Um, against Wolves and I think the, the key is what they'll try and do is hit hit Wolves on the break I think the one thing Forrest have got to be careful of is is conceding more more goals from outside the box which has obviously been the big talking point I mean mm. Sky, Sky wouldn't stop talking about it I think it's very harsh to blame Dean Henderson for a majority of those goals or maybe there was a Telegraph article which did some research which uh, you know brought up some interesting ones such as you know maybe he could have done better with the Kane Kane won against Spurs and, and the Philip Billing won against Bournemouth, which was quite central. Um, but all in all, actually, Forrest have just had some some rotten luck, really, with some brilliant goals that have been scored um, from outside the box. Um, and again, obviously, they had one against Villa at home from, from Ashley Young. Um, and we know that Wolves have some players um, that, that can do that. Ruben Nevers being one, he, he didn't play... Um, against Chelsea he wasn't involved in the squad at all I'm, I'm not sure if he's available or not on Saturday if he is involved um, he'd be one that you know if he is involved I'd be you know pretty confident that he could could cause problems from scoring outside the box that's something that away from the goalkeeper Forrest have got to do a bit better you know and, and again it comes from the, the the quickness and reaction from from midfield and, and who's kind of in those spaces to make sure that that, that becomes less of a problem in how they push out but but it is an opportunity for us still, you know, if they can avoid problems, if they can get to a point where they keep a clean sheet at Molyneux, then you give yourself every opportunity because Forrest haven't really struggled to score goals in the last, well, they didn't score against Leicester, obviously, but they did score goals against Fulham and, and, and Bournemouth and they scored a goal against Villa. So goals haven't necessarily been a huge problem in the, in the last handful of games. It's it's the amount they've conceded. So if they can continue to to, to be a bit more solid, then, then they'll have a chance. Yeah, I see it being similar again in terms of the setup. Solid, hard to beat, keep it compact, keep it tight, try and hit Wolves on the break. Obviously, the, the, the longer you keep it nil nil, Wolves will be looking at this and thinking it's an opportunity as well. Let's not get away from that fact. They're at home, they'll fancy beating Forest on their own patch. The, the longer you can keep it nil nil, the more restless the home crowd will get the more anxious they will get. And if Forrest can then turn that into their advantage, I, I think it's a really cracking opportunity. Uh, give us a prediction then for this one. Um, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Oh, another 1-1. One, one. Do you know what? I'm going to say 1-0 Forrest. A blind optimism, probably, potentially. But I do fancy Forrest to nick this one um, and set them up quite nicely going into what is then a difficult run of games. But uh, yeah, I do fancy Forrest to nick it. And uh, late on as well. I think it'll be a quite nervy one, quite a tense one, but I think fancy Forrest and Nick it in the last 10 minutes. That's what I'm going for. Uh, and then, yeah, you'll be shredding your your nails and your nerves as far as kind of thing <laughs> on at the death. But um, we'd take that, wouldn't we? We'd take that. So, of course, of course. 
Right, let's leave it there. We will be back next week, obviously, hopefully following a, a Forest victory at Molyneux. Let's just hope Tom gets out of Molyneux alive. Um, if you want to email us, you can get us at timeaddedonpod at outlook.com. Or give us a follow on Twitter at timeaddedonpod or give our site forward slash home. Have a good one, Reds. You Reds.